seated tonight and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 39. Praise God. We had some good sermons this morning. Praise God. Brother Joe opened it up in the Spanish service, and it was a blessing. Hallelujah. And then Brother uh, George Cano, I tell you, it was a real blessing to see all the people come and get saved. There was several saved up here this morning. So be lifting them up in prayer. You know, it's our responsibility to pray for them that have received Christ and encourage them and also have something to give them when you see them. Praise God. We need to have that hope of Christ in us to give to others. And tonight I'm going to speak out of Hebrews chapter 10. It's a probably something we don't usually talk about in the church, but it's something in the Bible. And it's confidence. Do you know you need confidence to do what God wants you to do? Let's listen because whenever Pastor uh, texts me to preach, I uh, right away this scripture come to me, and it's not something you hear all the time, but it's something we need to have. And uh, we're going to go over a couple of different things of it. But in verse thirty-five, Hebrews ten thirty-five, it says, "Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward." Cast not away your confidence, for it has great recompense of reward. I was thinking about how many times have you come to church and you got the victory and you walked out the door and a few days you were lower than you were before. And that's why the scripture's in there. It takes certain things to overcome. We know in Revelation, the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and then love their lives unto death. We know we overcome by the word of God. We know all this has to be in faith. Where, you know, but faith is like the activator and the, the thing that causes faith to go on in your life when you receive something by faith is your confidence. Because if you don't have confidence in a few days, you're going to lose it. In a few days, that great word that come to you is no longer going to be in effect. If you ask me, or if you ask yourself, why didn't I get that? Better look at your confidence. Better look at your confidence. And the scripture says this for a reason. Cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. There's a great benefit because you are going to receive exactly what God promised you. If you're confident in God, in his word, and in yourself. You say, I can't be confident. You better be confident in your relationship with Jesus Christ, that you are a child of God, that you're born again, that the devil does not have a right in your life, that you have a claim to the victory in your life, that you're going to make heaven your home. You better be confident because the Word of God puts that in you. It builds your confidence. Confidence doesn't come like faith sometimes. The Word of God keys our faith. Confidence comes by hearing the Word of God and hearing the Word of God and building up and having experiences and using it and, and establishing it. That builds your confidence. It says, For you have need of patience after, the, you, have done, after you have done the will of God. You have need of patience after you've done. After you believe God, after you got that promise and you've settled it and you say, God, this is the way it's going. You have need of patience. 
because you're going to have some tribulation come along against that thing because tribulation is going to work your patience, but this all works with confidence. If you have the confidence in God, in his word, and in his promises, and in what God has put in you and who you are in Christ, you'll stand. Like the book of Ephesians says in chapter 6, putting on the whole armor of God, the last one is interpreted in some versions, says, and after having overcome all, stand. After having fought the battle, stand. And here it says, after having done the will of God. When is the will of God done? When you have walked in faith. That's when it's done. When is it finished? When what of you believing God comes to pass. The will is done when you believe God in faith receive. And in faith go and have the confidence that that word is going to come to pass. That's when it happens. It doesn't happen the six months, a year later, it happens when you believed. And that's where we got to have our confidence because that is what's going to carry that word of faith, that word from God in our hearts and life, that word from the Holy Spirit. See, faith can come from a word from God, from the Holy Spirit. It can come from the Bible because the word of God builds our faith. But our confidence maintains that. It keeps it steadfast, sure, to the end. As he says here, that, that after you have done the will of God, now look at this, after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now, we sometimes think the will of God is after we receive the promise. No, but because you got it by faith, it is at the time that you received it is when you were doing the will of God. Receiving the promise is still yet to come. And that's where confidence comes in. Because confidence in God and confidence in what God has promised you, confidence in his word, confidence in where you are in Christ and who you are in Christ will enable you to keep that word of God that until the promise is fulfilled. Amen? I love what the God gave me the other day about the children of Israel. Abraham received the promise, right? He received the promised land. He received all these blessings. And at the same time, receiving God said, "Now your your descendants are going to go into Israel and into Egypt into captivity for four hundred years. When they come out of captivity, four hundred years later, they were still believing the promise that Abraham got. They still knew they had a land. Whenever Moses come up there and began to preach, they still knew it. Somebody been passing along a lot of faith and a lot of confidence." Somebody been telling their children things that made confidence in them and faith in them and their children's children and their children's children. They had passed along that vision and that promise all the way through and then they got the promised land. I don't know about you, but 400 years later is a long time, right? But they had not lost because they had confidence. Confidence in the one who had promised it. Confidence in how he looked at them, and now he saw them. They had confidence in, in that they were God's people. Because if they didn't have confidence in that, they wouldn't have been looking for it. No one would have been preaching the promise. They'd just been saying, we're slaves. That's all we're ever going to be. My father was a slave. My father's father was a slave. My mother, my, father, my sisters, my brothers, or, you know, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, and 400 years, but they didn't see that, Right? You see, the children of Israel didn't see that. God's children don't need to see that. That's what the world sees. That's what the devil paints. But the truth is what God says. 
The promise is received when you get it by faith. And Jesus goes on, and the scripture goes on and says, for a little while. It's going to be a little time between when you have received and when the promise is fulfilled. Time doesn't bother God. When we get to heaven, time will be done away with. It's an earthly thing. So the in-between time, that's where your confidence keeps your faith activated. Your confidence keeps your eyes on the right thing. Your confidence in, 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 in all the promises of God and the things of God and your relationship with God, if all those things are working right, you will maintain the faith it takes to receive the promise and come out with the glory on the other end. He says, now uh, for a little while he will come, will come and will not tarry. He says, now the just shall live by faith. You see how the faith and confidence working together in those scriptures? He starts out, don't cast away your confidence. A couple of verses later, the just lives by faith. It's not changed. God didn't make a mistake and say, I got to change it for this generation. He didn't make a, a, an exception and say, okay, you don't have to do that because, no, it's still the same. God is still there. The same promise, whatever he's put inside of us, whatever he's given to this church, whatever he's given in your life, you need to hold fast with confidence what God has promised for he will do it. Now, now this is the scriptures leading right up to the 11th chapter of Hebrews, which is the faith chapter, right? But he starts building them up. So that they can walk in faith. So they can read these, re, re, receive these revelations of faith. They need to have confidence, he's saying. Don't cast it away. It says, the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. God doesn't want you to draw back. Draw back means to look at it the way the world looks at it. To look at it the way everything's coming. No, you need to look at it the way God sees it. The Word of God needs to be in your heart. The Word of God needs to build you up. The Holy Spirit needs to be working in your life so you can have that kind of confidence in what God has said. For you, in you, and through you. But we are not of those who draw back. And that's what I want you to be. That's what I want to be. Not of those that draw back. Not of those that quit running. Not of those that say, okay, I've done my time or uh, he doesn't work like that anymore or you know, sometimes our cop-outs are things like, well, if it be God's will, when he's already written it in his word. When he wrote it in his word, that means it's God's will. When he wrote that revelation, when Jesus spoke those words, it's God's will. He only did the will of the Father. And whenever you, uh, you get with God and get along with God, you'll start to find out and believe and understand the things God has because in your faith will be built because you're hearing just from him. You're not hearing the voices that are in the world. You're hearing what God is saying. But we are of those that believe to the saving of the soul. Brother George was talking about getting up this morning and praise God, this soul's got saved, right? What the Lord does, he knows how and he's going to bring those promises to pass. I just want to turn over to 1 Samuel. I want to give you some, an, an example, and then I've got several other scriptures. But 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, right before Kings. 
And while you're turning there, I'll give you a bonus scripture. First Samuel 17. But I don't think want you to think I'm different from other people God has dealt with. I'm gonna give you two examples. Of one of them, I'm gonna give you my one of my wife's favorite scriptures, Joshua one nine. Says, "Have not I commanded you be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid. Neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wheresoever you go." Amen. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Don't be confused. Don't be. Be of single purpose. Have one mind towards Christ. Knowing what he has promised, he will deliver. That's what he's saying to you. He said that to Joshua. Now we're going to look at uh, in 1 Samuel 17. We're going to start looking at a young man named David. And y'all may have heard of David and Goliath. Anybody ever heard of that story? I know I don't have to read it all. But I'm not reading it from the point of David being little and overcoming. I'm going to read it from the point of the, the mindset or the confidence that was in David. And so when we start looking at that in, in uh, 17th verse 11, David had been on the backside of the desert, right? Been taking care of his father's sheep. And he had an advantage over his brothers. He wasn't being built up in fear. He wasn't being dismayed, but he was being built up in faith. Can you imagine all the hours if you're like me? I was a little kid. I used to drive out the cows in our dairy when I was five. So had a lot of thinking time. You need to get along with God and think. You need to think out some things in God. You need to meditate his word. You need to meditate before God. You need to consider some things because there is going to come something against whatever you and God's working in your life. Whatever he's doing in your life, there's going to come some things against that that's going to be very strong in your life if you've been listening to the wrong things. David had been on the backside of the desert just listening to God. He had an advantage, right? He is about 17 years old when this happens. But he had spent a few years back there. Moses, he spent 80 years wandering in a desert or on the backside of the desert. When he come out, all he knew how to do was hear God. And this is what God this is why he had such confidence. This is why David had such confidence that he had spent time just hearing God in his side. If you want to have great boldness and confidence, you need to hear God. Get along with God. He'll speak to you. There's not a one of you he won't speak to. He'll begin to take some of your false ideas out of your head. Because his word washes us. It cleanses us from those false ideas. We're in a world today where times seem to be changing, but they're not going to change in God's kingdom. And so David is here, and he's going to go into battle, and uh, he's getting ready to fight Goliath, and he had such a lowly job. They didn't put the older brothers back there. They put the younger one on the backside of the desert watching the sheep. Seemed like he didn't have an important position, 
But at that time, his meditation on the word of God, his meditation on what, who God was to him, his relationship to God, he began to know who he was in Christ. He began to know who he was in God. He knew he was a, a child of God. He knew he was a chosen of God. He knew even though he was just out there watching the sheep all by himself. I don't know about you, but when I'm along, I start to imagine some great things, right? Practice a lot of basketball by myself. You don't know who I'll beat. We need to get along and beat the devil sometimes in our, in our hearts and minds. We need to get a hold of what God has. I mean, you need to have some imagination before God in what he's going to do because God will put in you. He will tell you, and then you meditate those things. See, otherwise our imagination will be upon evil. But if we start thinking about what God's promises are and we begin to see what he has in our life, our meditation becomes upon him. And it becomes upon our relationship with him and how and why he can do it with us. Why he chooses to use us. It begins to become reasonable. Because if you haven't heard that, you think you're the same old rotten person everybody always told you. You're the same old inadequate being that you've always believed. You haven't had confidence. A lot of you don't have confidence because you've been told so many other things, and I'll cover that in a minute. But let's look at David real quick. I don't have to go through everything. But when David showed up, he didn't know there was a giant there. But when he got there, his brothers and, and all the army of God, when they come out, they run back, and this giant began to threaten them. And so when... Uh, in verse 11 says now when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine they were dismayed and greatly afraid leave that up there but that's what it said while I go to Joshua right don't be dismayed don't be afraid and I'm going to tell you the same thing happens today you're trying to serve God. If you don't have confidence in God and his work in your life and what he's going to do with you and what he is doing with you and who you are in Christ, you're going to be afraid and dismayed to step out and do what God has spoken to you. Right? Have you ever experienced it? I mean, that's the way it goes. I know in my own life when I got to get a hold of the word of God, got to believe in the word of God, man, that's nice. okay, okay. Lord, I see what's happening. I see, you know, there's no reason. There's no excuse. I don't care what anybody else said. There's no excuse. I, I'm not a big, uh, you know, blab it and grab it, name it and claim it, but I begin to walk on the fact that God had promised such a thing and his word showed he had done it and I began to believe what he said above all the other things in my life and God began to also take his word and remove from me the uh, places in my heart that kept me from having that. Praise God. And then, uh, then in verse 20, and verse, uh, let's see, it tells about his son, uh, David's other sons and he gets on down there, I see in verse... Um, we'll go to 32, verse 32. And he's already gone through his brother saying, Now, David, why are you full of, full of mischief? Why are you like this? Why are you being so egotistical to think you can beat that giant? Why are you just acting like you're the, the, the top dog, you know? And David didn't see it that way, but that's the way the, the whole army saw the giant as undefeatable. The whole army was afraid the whole... 
thing was was they were all running back when he come out. But here come David, a little uh, young boy, about 17-year-old, who said, I don't see it that way. Why? He had the word of God. God didn't say, David, now you go down there and see your brothers and kill that giant. God didn't speak to him, right? God's only, it was his dad that sent him, right? And that was only to bring food. But he also sent some cheese to the captain so David could go talk to the captain so he could talk to Saul so that, you know, God already had the things working. But David didn't know when he was going what God was going to do, but he was so confident in his God. He had such confidence in, in what God has said and who God was and who the children of Israel was and what the promises of God were. There's no way that giant could stand. That's the way God works in our life, church. Don't cast away your confidence because you're going to get a great recompense reward. You're going to have your promise. You're going to have the promises of God in your life. You're going to have the promises of God in your family. You're going to have all these things. And he, it goes on 32, it says, And David said, and Saul, let no man's heart fail because of the giant. Thy servant will go up and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, well, you're going to fight him? He's a man of war from his youth, and you're just a youth. You've never fought, never even been in the army. Ah, but David had some persuasive words for Saul. He says, yes, I've been watching sheep on the backside of the desert, but back there on the backside of that desert, a lion came up, and a bear came up and grabbed one of the lambs, and I killed him. And his brother said, well, they'll give you a right to kill Goliath. But I killed him. Why could I kill him? Because I've been proving some things. I've been proving some things. They put me in charge of these sheep, and I wasn't going to lose them. No matter what enemy. See, that's a really an attitude of confidence, right? He was confident that he went after them, pursued them both, and killed them both. But that was getting him ready for even a bigger victory. If we're not careful, we'd be just so happy with killing the bear, right? Or killing the lion. Hey, hey church, once you do one thing, that's not the end of it. That's only the start of it. Because God is building you up for something else that's going to come to pass. You're going to be a key in something in the kingdom of God. You're going to be a key in the work of God. And God is putting in you and wanting you to use it. He says, by who, by reason of use, have exercised themselves unto godliness. You have to use it. You have to use it. You have to exercise yourself. When you take this scripture, you've got to stand on it. You've got to use it. You've got to. The word of God goes forth out of Christ's mouth when he retakes the whole earth. The word of God needs to come out of our mouth. Jesus said the word of God is, is life unto us. But he also said, my word shall not pass away. But it will accomplish what I sent it to do. It's not going to fail. It's not going to come up short. It's not going to need something else with it. it it's going to happen. And David received it because he had received the promise. As a child, inheritance from Israel, from Abraham, as a child, you know, all the inheritance passed down. He believed what God had been telling that people. 
Not only did he believe, he was fully persuaded. He had great confidence. He told this story to the captain. He told this story to another one. He told this story to the other ones. And finally, they went and told Saul, this kid's so confident. Those that didn't like it say he's cocky. But that's not what the Bible says, right? Cocky is when you express great positive things about your great virtue and you can't do it. Confidence is when you express the same thing, but it's in the power of God and the presence of God and the word of God and the things of God, and you can do it. That's confident. So don't cast away your confidence. You're going to get a great reward, like I said, if you keep your confidence in the things of God. If you keep confident in what God has promised, he is able to perform. And so he told them that story. And he said, I went out and I smote him and delivered him out of the mouth. And when another, when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. In this. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear and the, this uncircumcised Philistine. That's the key. He's saying David knew this guy has no right to put fear or take over anything of Israel. He's uncircumcised. The uncircumcised did not have a right. Only the circumcised could enter into covenant with God at that time. And we're circumcised in our heart. And only the circumcised enter into the promises of God. Only the circumcised. And David understood God's number one principle. The uncircumcised could not take the promises of God. David didn't pray if it's your will. Matter of fact, in here we don't even find him praying. We find him proclaiming. The word was in his mouth, right? That's our relationship today. The word is in our mouth because we put it in our heart. The word comes out. The word comes out. He come out immediately when he saw that, when he heard that, that immediately stirred him up. That guy can't do it. He's uncircumcised. He cannot because he knew the promises of God. Brothers raised in the same household was afraid and dismayed. Saul was afraid and dismayed. All those, uh, you know, all those generals and everything. I, even David's mighty men was probably in those groups, and they weren't standing up. Right? He had three mighty men who was great men of uh, God, but I'm sure they learned something from that. Because later they were with him standing by faith. They, one of them killed a giant and one of them slew 800 and one of them did the other things. And I was like, man, these guys were great men of God, but they needed to have that confidence. They needed to know the promises of God are yea and amen. They do not change. They do not move with a, with a political things that go by. They do not move with what everybody in society is thinking. They are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God's not going to repent and change his mind. Because what he has planned is perfect. And he goes on to say, then when he got through, and David said, the Lord that delivered me out of the lion and out of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with you. I like that. How does faith come? What happened to Paul, Saul? How does faith come? What happened to Paul and Saul? Did you get that? 
Faith comes by hearing. When Saul heard David saying this uncircumcised Philistine, he lost his fear of sending David in. Right? Even Saul, who's going through a lot of other things later on, but even Saul, when he heard faith came to him concerning this situation. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. And he, he goes on saying, and, and uh, so then Saul says, okay, go put on the armor and all this other stuff, and gird him about the next two or three, and then in verse 39, he, David says unto Saul in the middle of the verse, says, I cannot go with these, with all the armor and everything, for I have not proved them. There was a song we used to sing, a lot of scriptural songs. One of them was, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but I'll trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's a scripture. That's what we're looking at, people who will trust, who will have confidence in the name of the Lord their God, who have confidence in what he has promised he is able to do. And this is what David expressed, and he says, <clears throat> he really wasn't against armor because later he wore armor and used a sword. But he hadn't proved them. See, God wants your experiences in life like he had with the lion and the bear. You're proving him in what you have so that whenever you get up to the next battle, you're going to take what you have proved and go forth in it. There'll be some new experiences in that battle that you'll take on to the next battle. But after having come all, we take on the whole armor of God. You know, one time it's a shield of faith. One time it's a sword of the spirit. One time whatever we're doing, he will equip us but while you're getting equipped, you can still use what God has given you. So David said, I haven't proved that. He put them off, and look what he did. In verse 40, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones. Different theories on why he chose five. One of the better ones is because Goliath had four brothers. He was getting ready for victory, right? Are you getting ready for victory? Are you getting ready for victory? Five stones. There's a reason for five. I mean, he had five brothers. He was going to end it all right there, right? Because he knew all five of them couldn't stand. But let's look at what else he did. I'm going to show you what confidence and faith, how it works in our life. So he took his that and he took his, uh, his shepherd's staff. He took his shepherd's bag, which had his... Meals in it and everything is gripped and a sling in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine come out and there's a guy before him holding his shield. In verse 42, the Philistine looked and he saw David and he was disdained. There are going to be people who are going to disdain your vision of God. The vision of this church. The vision of whatever. There are going to be people who disdain God's purpose and plan in our life. That's what they do. But praise God, he hadn't been with his brothers and heard all that doubt and unbelief. David had been on the backside of the desert hearing God's argument, God's plan, and God's way, and he had confidence. He had confidence when he heard it from the first. He says, I know I can do this thing. And he went to the king. He persuaded the king because he had such confidence. Praise God. He already had that giant killed right in his mind. He already knew that giant wasn't going to stay up. 
He's making provision because he also took a sword. Because he said, I'm going to cut your head off. Not only that, you know, the shepherds didn't carry a sword, right? But he took a sword because he was making plans. He already had the vision. He already had the promise. He already knew the plan of God and the will of God. God hadn't spoken to him, but he knew the will of God, the plan of God, because it was plain. We miss a lot of things because we're looking for God to speak to us when he's already plainly told us your purpose, your plan. He's already told us as believers what he wants to do with us. And you're missing it because you're waiting for God to speak to you when he's already spoken in the word of God. It's just as real if he spoke it in this as if he spoke it to your life. And actually it's easier to rehearse this than what he speaks to you one time. Because you can go back and read it again. Praise God. David didn't even take time to pray to God and say, Oh God, will you deliver this Philistine in my hand? No. Because he was so confident in the things of God, he just blurted it out. And when this giant come up and said, He's just saying, he was Rudy says, am I a dog that you come with me with sticks or staves or like a staff? He said, am I coming with me with a staff? You going to beat me with that thing? You know, he probably wasn't big enough to hit him on top of the head with that thing. He had on armor. He was pretty sure that David wasn't going to do. I mean, how would you like to be in a fight with a guy in armor and you got a stick? And, and, and you know, and, and he, he goes on to say, and uh, he cursed him. By his gods. And the Philistines said, David, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then David said. The Philistine said, and David said. Whose words had more power? The one who had the promise of God. Whose words took effect? The one who had the promise of God. Who was really going to be the victor? The one who had the promise of God. That's what separated them. Circumcised, uncircumcised was promised of God and unpromised. And he says here, this is what David says. I just love this. He says, you come to me with a sword and a spirit and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Woo. David didn't lose sight that he was big. He didn't lose sight that he was a giant. He didn't lose sight that his brothers were afraid and the whole armies were afraid. He didn't lose sight of his threatenings. He didn't lose sight of those, but those things didn't faze him at all because he had sight on who what God was. You set your eyes on, on God. Set your eyes on Jesus Christ. Set your eyes on him and nothing of this world shall harm you. Nothing of the enemy by any means She'll harm you. David was walking on that principle way before it was said. He was walking on that principle. He was saying, Goliath, he was saying, Philistines, nothing by any means that you have is going to stop me or hinder me, but rather I'm going to win. Now that is confidence, right? In the middle of threatening, the devil goes about as a roaring lion bringing fear and dismay to everyone who will listen. One of the tricks of a lion is his roar. When he gets close enough to roar, animals freeze because they can't tell which direction it's so loud that they don't know which way to run, and then he pounces on them. 
Now, David, he didn't, this is what David does. I mean, if the lion come and did that and roared, he wouldn't make him afraid. He'd turn and get him, right? He says, uh, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defiled. And 46, and this day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you, and I, and I will take your head from you, and I will give your carcass to the host of the Philistines, of the host of the Philistines this day, and to the fowls of the air, and to the wild beast of the earth, that's all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Hallelujah. He wasn't backing down. He wasn't this day. He set a time. See, when you really know God's word and you really know his promise, it's always now. It's never two years. Now, like I said, when did they receive the promise? It's whenever you opted off in faith. When you got in faith, you received it then. David had received that promise and received the promises of God when he was hearing the word of God and it built in his heart. Not when he went to fight the uh, Goliath. He already had it in his heart. Already had that victory inside of him. Already had that overcomer attitude in him because he knew who he was in Christ. He had already established who he was in God, that he was a child of God and no uncircumcised giant was going to take it from him. No host of the Philistines is not going to give your head and all these Philistines to be eaten by the wild animals. He said, I'm going to do it. And there's times you need to face the devil and say, I'm going to do whatever God told you you're going to do. And don't be afraid by the roar. Don't be afraid by the great clamor that happens because that clamor is going to be there. But since he already received the promise, he had the victory. If he maintained his confidence, he never wavered, right? Confidence keeps your faith from wavering. I don't know... If you've been around people, sometimes you're doing something, you say, well, they say, oh, I don't know if you should do that. But if you're very confident in what you're doing, you say, no, that's what you should do. No, this is how we do it. Because you're confident in what you're doing. You'll say, no, this is the way. You say, I don't think that's going to work. No, you're confident. If you really know and know what it is, then you're confident. You say, no, this is what it takes. That's not being haughty or high-minded. That's being confident in what you know. And what you have. and so when you're confident in the word of God and the devil comes accusing and saying, no, this is the way it's going to work. This is the way it's going to happen. This thing is not going to change me. This thing is not going to move me. I'm not going to, he wasn't dismayed with Saul. He wasn't dismayed with his brothers. He wasn't afraid with them. He wasn't afraid with the armies. None of that stuff got on him because he knew his God. He had heard his word. He knew he was in covenant. He knew the enemy couldn't stand before him or overcome him. He knew he had a promise from God. Israel had a promise from God. And the Philistines could not take that. They could not hold that, they could not capture that unless really we say today we have to give it over to the devil because the devil can't really take it from you. He'll use fear to get you to give everything over to him. He'll use dismay, he'll use his roar to make you ineffective but that's not the kind of people God has in his kingdom. He's got believers who are fearless. 
Believers are full of confidence because you, you've taken time to meditate the word of God in your life and the promises of God and you look at it in a realistic way, a way God is laying so this is my promise. There's a, a few more the, in Hebrews 3, 6. And I want to really encourage you, start building some confidence. That works with your faith. We may not always have the answer, but if we have the confidence, we're ready to proclaim the promise that we have in the midst of any situation. Like I said, David walked into that cold turkey. He knew nothing about it because they didn't have telegrams. They didn't have anything to send him a message. He didn't know when he got up there that there was a giant. He didn't know all this was going on. When he heard it, immediately he wasn't going to let it go on. Immediately, the, he knew the devil didn't have right, knew the Philistine didn't, knew Goliath didn't have a right for what he was saying. Immediately, why? Because he was confident in God and in what God has promised and it was going to come to pass. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6 says, But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Hold fast the joy of the hope. When you receive a word from God, doesn't it bring such joy in your life? Doesn't it bring such expectancy? God spoke to me and he said, da, 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 da. But if you don't have confidence, you won't keep it. It says here, who hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing. Isn't that great? Of our hope. Hold it fast. You keep it. You maintain it. You keep it with you. Verse 14 of the same chapter says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. And 1 John 2, 28 says, If you have confidence, you'll not be ashamed. If you have confidence, you won't be ashamed. Because why? You know you win. You know what the outcome is because you already had the promise of God. And First uh, John 3, 21, 22 says, If our heart doesn't condemn us, we can have confidence. That's why you take in the word of God so your heart is not condemning you or saying, No, you're just a little bitty scrawny guy with red hair. No, you're just a shepherd who's been on the backside. You don't know, you've not been trained in war. He didn't hear any of that. But he is holding his confidence steadfast. And this, this message is, is something else I want to share with you in just a second. That, uh, and go ahead and go to First John. I'll, I'll read that one to you just for prayer, and then we'll go to the ending of it that I want to give. Because this is something you have to meditate. This is something you have to think on. This is something you need to make plans on. The Word of God will renew you. will renew your mind to be have confidence and will renew what you're going to do. I want to encourage you to get into the Word of God and begin to read it and meditate it that you might prove what God has promised in your life. In 1 John 5, 14, it's one of my favorite scriptures for prayer. I can find John here. I'm getting in the wrong book. First John 5, uh, 14. 
it says like this, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Oh, man, that's a key to me. How do I get my prayers answered? If I ask anything according to his will, his word is his will, right? The Holy Spirit only tells us the will of God. He sent two or three ways to show us that. If you want to have confidence built, you need to take in his word or hear the Holy Spirit. This will give you great confidence, and remember, you're going to get great reward. You're going to have the promise, and abundantly, and this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. When I read that and got into faith, been hearing God's words, like, whoa. You mean it's not a guessing game? It's not thy will be done. But he says, if we ask anything according to his will, Instead of thy will be done, Lord, this is your will. You have said, God, that we should have, that this is what you have promised to me. Isn't that what it really should be? God, God said, I'm not off the thing going out of my mouth. He watches over his word to perform it. He says, remind me of my word. Have you been reminding God of your word? If you haven't, you're not walking in faith. I can tell you that. You're not walking in faith. You're not reminding God of his word. You might as well mark that down and say, God, if I, maybe this is why this hadn't been working. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's wake up. Remind him of his word. God said that. Remind me of my word. Let's turn. I just want to show you one other thing. Matthew chapter 13. Several years ago, I was studying this, and, man, it just kind of opened up to me, and I thought, praise God, I see some things. You know, it's a parable of the seed, and the seed falls into the ground. In this parable, there's no variance of seed, no characteristic difference of the seed. There is... No special seed for one field and other seed for the other. Where There's no bad seed. It's all good seed. It's all seed that is capable of coming up and producing. It's all seed that will work. It's all seed that's anointed, appointed, and has a purpose. The seed is not doesn't change between one field and the other plot or the other plot. And he tells, these are five different grounds, or how many grounds, I didn't, I ain't going to count them. I think it's five, but anyway, I just want to talk on one of them. These are the different kinds of ground that it can fall into. Good ground that brings forth a hundredfold. I used to drive by a field of a friend of mine who was a farmer, and they'd be out, and he said they went out there and cut the sunflower seeds out and the plants out in their field by hoe. And they, they, they did about 2,000 acres. You know, I thought, that's a good farmer. Then my old pastor grew a garden one time. And the, 
Grassbirds took totally over. I mean, they were doing good. But someplace down there was some cucumbers and things like that. But you had to get grassbirds all over you. You'll get anything out of that garden. It was a good seed, but it wasn't prepared for it, right? And so we're looking at different types of soil, and you may fall into these, but I just want to talk about this one in verse 5. Since we're talking on confidence, because this is a scripture about confidence. That's why he's really talking about. He says, some fell upon the stony places. This is Jesus giving these parables. and says, where there wasn't much earth. Forthwith they sprung up, and because no deepness of earth, when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And without the root and soil for that to grow in, your promises, your faith will wither, wither away. It's really talking about confidence. And confidence is the number one thing is what he, Jesus was giving an example here. The stones and the rocky places, they destroy your confidence. That you may come from your childhood. That may come from your life experience. They can destroy your confidence. took my son years to get over having to have glasses and and somebody said well they look like coke bottles and they did look like coke bottles but you tell a four-year-old that it knocked his he wouldn't hardly talk went to church everybody went to church with he never said anything teenagers would be standing around him he'd be he'd be quiet but the lord did a work in his life after a couple of events and he got off in college and god changed him no longer was he the quiet guy. He isn't that today. He's a very confident person. But that had knocked his confidence so much. A life experience can knock your confidence immensely. It's true it happened, but it's not the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. Well, after he finally come through that, well, he be, he's been praising worship leader in uh, a couple different churches. You know, one was about 500 and attendance and won a couple hundred now I, I praise God that you know that didn't destroy him but it did knock him back and sometimes things knock you back but you got to overcome because you are the one who had the promise of God David didn't let his brothers or other things destroy him they he went apostle and this is why he's talking about Jesus is talking about real people like you and I and these parables are examples in a in a through a parable and the parables are given for those who uh, are believers to understand and the unbelievers not to understand. That's what Jesus said. They're for us to understand. And they receive it in different things. But we're going to look then the interpretation Jesus gave in verse 20, Matthew 13, 20. And that's what I'm going to end on tonight. It's just in this part of it. It says, but he that received the seed or the word or the promise, he that received. Mary was considered like a seed, right? And she was con uh, conceiving Christ as a seed. He who receives the seed. You, Israel, received that promise as a seed. God gives his stuff as a seed, not as a finished product. I'm looking at that seed. If you don't know all the seeds, you can't tell what kind of plant it's going to be. But if you know the seed, the plant, you know what it's going to become. 
God said the parable of the mustard seed, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest. He says so small, but it becomes great big tree that was in that seed. As long as that seed lived, that seed received water and and sprouted forth and grew, it was going to be a mustard tree. And that's what God has put in you. That's what God has put in all of us. And here he said, the things, uh, that he gives interpretation, he received the seed into the stony places. That's the hard places of your life. Life may harden you, but Jesus said you don't have to stay that way. He said he'll remove the stony, the old heart from us and give us a new heart. So I don't care what has happened in life. God can remove that stony place or those stony places in your life and give you a new heart. So the same as he that hears the word and receives it with joy. And I've seen that happen in church. People go, oh, glory, I got a proud and, and And hardly get home before they've lost it. Well, my husband's not going to, or that, I don't know, or this is going to happen, or I, I can't do this at work, or I can't. They're losing it because they've got some stony places. So you can ask God to remove the stony places in your heart that you can receive the word and let it grow to fullness in your life. And this is what he's saying. The same that hears the word and receives it with joy, yet he hath no root in what? Himself. Listen to that. He has no root in himself. I thought this was all about Jesus, preacher. I thought this was all about Jesus and faith and I don't have to do. I thought this was all about not what Jesus said. <laughs> Jesus said he had no root in himself. You need confidence in that one, you have received a good seed, and that two, that what God has promised you is going to come to pass, and that three, that God's going to remove the stones from your heart so whenever the sun comes up and things begin to burn, you're going to be steadfast, and you're going to get the recompense of that reward. He says, had no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when persecution and tribulation arise, because of the word, he is offended. I have experienced many, many times the promise of God coming into my life. But it's because his seed is so good. I learned a long time ago it wasn't because of everything I had. It was because I could be confident in God and in his word, in his promises. That God says, I'm going to use you to do this. He can use you to do this. I know this. I was telling somebody the other day. I'm working in the national board with the men uh, ministry in the church, in the organization. I'm on the I'm president of the uh, uh, of the El Central District, but one day we were at a church, and I was just vice president there. Decided to help. I didn't really have a calling to it. I just decided I just wanted to go help this brother who had a calling, and uh, brother Anthony. And as uh, I was there, the, and and he asked me to get him direct the service. I went direct service. The Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, 
I want it to be like it used to be. When there was six, eight hundred men at our national convention. When there was times, I didn't know how many then. God didn't tell me how many. But he said, I want it to be like it was. And, and having heard that word of God, now I have great faith for what God's going to do. If I had sense, I wouldn't be involved. It doesn't make sense. But faith makes it happen. I have great confidence because of my other experiences with God. God has removed stony places out of my heart that I might receive. Because I'm the son of an alcoholic who's the son of an alcoholic and I and son of, a, uh, of some guy, uh, my great-granddad was a very mean person. I have all those things. I was a very angry young man because of life experiences. But I'm here to tell you today, God removes the stony places in your heart that you can be a child and a promise of God, that you can have everything God has said to you, that you can walk in confidence because he is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care what experiences you've had in life. For God can take care of them like that. He is a redeemer because he redeems our hearts, our minds, our soul. He is a supplier because he puts his spirit inside of us. A spirit of Christ is an overcoming spirit. A spirit of Christ is more than a conqueror. A spirit of Christ knows no defeat. He wanted you to be fully supplied, so he gave you his word. And the, in the Old Testament, they look at it, it says, He that goes forth bearing precious seeds shall surely come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. God's seed is precious. Let it grow in your life. You take the uh, water it by the word in your heart. It will come up. It will do great things. Since you're the son of Adam, the first Adam, and then also the son of the second Adam, you're to tend the garden. You're to tend the seed of God. You're to tend the promise of God with great confidence. Adam had never trimmed a tree, but God put him over the garden. Adam had never done that, but God knew he could. You may never have done anything in this particular area. Whatever you know is your promise of God, but God has great confidence in your word, in your ability, in his word, in his promise. So much so the Bible leaves it like this. The promises of God are yes and amen. There's not a third option. I want you each one to walk away from here tonight saying, I'm going to have confidence in God. I'm going to get along with him so he can speak to me. I can hear just his side. I'm going to quit listening to the world. I want to hear what God has to say to me. Great confidence will come forth. The promises of God will be stirred up in you and you can walk out saying, God, this is my promise. I'm not too old like Caleb. Everybody else his age died and was too old. But Caleb said, I'm not too old. I'm not too old. 
Oh, I'm not too young. David wasn't too young. Or I'm not too middle-aged. That's the reason why in our men's group, I think it's important for our young men and our old men to still have dreams and visions. To still have hope and, and vision in your life. God's doing something. You know, still be kicking all the way until the Lord takes you home. Still be kicking, still going, still overcoming, still doing something. I love that. I love that. God puts it in us. And if we listen to Him, we'll hear the right things and we'll do the right the right promises will be ours. Tonight's sermon is meant for you to take home with you. Tonight's sermon is meant for you to take some time, meditate on the things of God, renew your heart, renew your things, hear God's side. Get back to that place in faith. Some of you have walked in pretty good places of faith, but you've let it slip because you haven't been there hearing it. And hearing it. Because it's easy. Like David, later on, he got off, but then he got back. His Bathsheba experience was him not listening to the promises of God and knowing who he was. He was the king. Knowing who he was, he was the one that was over the victories that were going to come in Israel. Not knowing who he was, that he was a key piece, and you're a key piece in the kingdom of God. God has a key purpose for you in this body of Christ, in these body of believers. You may not have much of a beginning, but you can have a great end. Because your promises are yea and amen. Praise God. Stand with me, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to turn to Brother George. He did all the repenting stuff this morning. <laughs> great to see people come to Christ. I'll pray with you just a moment. You want to bow your heads. just want to make sure I was preaching to the right people. How many need your confidence? Jesus, you did certain things and gave us an example of the stony places in our heart. But God, you didn't bring condemnation to us and say that's who you are and it's where you're going to be. Because your heart is stony places, I can't use you. No, he says, I'll remove those out of the way. So God, tonight, Lord, I ask you to remove some stony places and hearts here tonight who will by faith say, yes, Lord, that's me. I've had stony places. I haven't been walking in the faith I should walk in because I haven't had the ability, it seemed like, but I haven't been in your word either. Just renewing that faith in my life. And Lord, let us purpose in our lives and in our heart, God, to get along with you and your word and establish, God, who we are in Christ. Your promises to us, Lord, there are yea and amen, God. Yes, and let it be so. That not one of us come up short of the glory of God. But we all walk in that glory, that calling, and that purpose. No matter, God, that it may seem like we're just a shepherd on the backside of the desert watching our father's sheep with no important position, God. But, Lord, we're ready, God, for the battle at any time it calls, Lord. Ready to be an overcomer, God. Ready to be a believer who, Lord, overcomes the world, Lord, even as you overcome the world. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.